both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mark. Come on, Eleanor. Um, so, a real joy for Eleanor to be speaking today. Most of you are known, know her. Eleanor is an architect student in about year 46 of your studies. Is it something like that, isn't it? Um, uh, and almost halfway. Almost halfway, yeah. Um, uh, been with us for quite a while in the city here, involved in Just Love over the years and all sorts of stuff. And I kind of felt it would be really helpful uh, for uh, Ellen to share tonight. And I've had a real joy... <laughs> I've had a real joy of hearing her once already this morning, and there's a few people here as well. So, Ellen, I'm going to pray for you as you begin. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for Ellen. Lord, thank you that she's part of our family here. Lord, for all the blessings that she's brought to so many people in worship and in just love, in so many other areas, just in her life, soul groups, and, and who she is. Uh, so, Father, we want to pray tonight that as she speaks to us, would you soften and open our hearts to what it is you want to say afresh through this familiar story, this familiar passage. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just bless Eleanor as she shares, and Lord, that her words will be your words to our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Easter, everyone. Um, yeah, so this uh, evening I've been asked to speak about Mary Magdalene at the tomb, but specifically um, her heart of adoration um, is what we're going to be looking at tonight. 
Um, so, first of all, I guess the big question is, who was Mary Magdalene? Uh, many label her um, wrongly a prostitute. She wasn't a prostitute. Uh, but also other people just label her as, as just another biblical woman on the sidelines. Um, but set free from demons, uh, Mary Magdalene left her old life and she followed Jesus with the other disciples. There is real power to her testimony and she showed a radical obedience to follow and serve Jesus. She was far but just another biblical woman. She was a female friend, dedicated to Jesus' ministry. She followed Jesus around, not just from the crowd, but cooking for him, serving him, and making sure that the provisions for his ministry were there. She's known to be a woman who loved the Lord Jesus deeply, and she played a vital part in the story of Easter. We've just read John 20, um, and that sets out the scene for Mary Magdalene's um, time of encountering Jesus. Um, and Mary Magdalene was actually the first person that Jesus Christ appeared to after his resurrection. Now, as a young female student uh, interested in theology and the role of women in the Bible, um, I've heard countless times that the fact that um, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first is crucial evidence that God is who he says he is. Um, why? So the fact that Christ first appeared to a woman uh, is apparently proof that Jesus did rise again uh, because at the time of the Bible, women had very few rights um, and they were also not considered reliable testimonies in the court of law. So essentially, women were just not trusted. Um, therefore, if Jesus had been a fake, then surely he would have chosen to appear to a man. Um, so that when his resurrection was questioned, that man would have a chance of being believed. So choosing a woman is setting yourself up for failure if you're a fake, or for the miraculous. Now this double bluff gets waved around as evidence for Jesus, but personally, as a woman, I find this ploy to convince people of the evidence for Christ actually just diminishes Mary as a token woman. So then, did Jesus choose to appear to Mary Magdalene first just because she was a woman? I enthusiastically believe that this has great significance, um, particularly in reaffirming the first shall be last ethics that Jesus taught when on earth, um, elevating women in a society that favoured men. Jesus valued women and this text is definitely a helpful reminder of that However, surely there is more to it. Why not any other woman? Why not his mother? And if so, doesn't it just reduce the powerful resurrection moment to a feminist or political stance? Um, we've definitely missed um, a deeper encounter uh, if we're just reducing the resurrection moment to, to that. So Mary Magdalene was the first person at the tomb, um, and she was also one of the last people at the cross on Good Friday. She barely leaves Jesus' side, um, and we're going to look at this. So in John 20, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, whilst it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. 
So Mary getting up early was eager, perhaps anxious or sleepless, and she got up to go and anoint Jesus' body with perfume, faithful and loyal to serve the deceased Jesus in the way that she um, felt called and gifted to do so. She went on the first day of the week. Now, um, the Jewish calendar, um, the first day of the week came after the Sabbath. So on the Friday, Jesus died and was buried. On the Saturday, Jewish law celebrated what's called the Sabbath day of rest. And then on Sunday, they celebrated the first day. So significantly, despite the trauma and the grief of losing Jesus, the friend, the teacher, and the God who set her free, Mary keeps the Sabbath. Mary obeys a biblical command to rest. Again, in Jewish culture, Sabbath had a much greater influence on life. In our country now, we may see shops close early and complain about it, um, We might expect a little bit of rest, um, but at the time of the Bible, Sabbath meant not just a day off work and a time of worship, but complete prohibition of movement. You see, Mary quite literally could not have gone to the tomb without breaking the law. Now, Jesus had just been crucified by crowds of people and the world, as everybody knew it, had erupted into mass rebellion against God. Those who followed Jesus had been tempted to start a rebellion themselves in reverse. Peter had rashly drawn a sword a day or two earlier to cut off the ear of a high priest. I don't know about you, but I relate more to Peter's urge to rebel than to Mary's obedience. The Son of God has just been killed, so surely going to anoint his body is the most important task of all. Surely this justifies breaking the Sabbath. And surely heading to the tomb can be a worthy exception of the lawful prohibition of movement. Didn't Mary have any courage at all? But no. Mary instead chooses to obey the law and observe the Sabbath. She knew that Jesus was a humble God, and so in humility she waits. Mary adored Jesus, and the only thing that stopped her from going to the tomb that morning of Saturday was the prohibition of movement, which she obediently observes despite the tension, despite her grief and the impatience that she probably felt. So in what seemed like the finale, Mary obediently waits, but she doesn't forget. She gets up while it's still dark. You see, Mary stuck out the Sabbath, but no longer than that. Mary displays such loyalty and faithfulness in her love for Jesus. She didn't expect to find anything but the buried body of Christ, which she'd then anoint with perfume. And despite this somber expectation, she goes as soon as the day begins as one devoted to the service and adoration of Jesus. Furthermore, Mary did not know what was to come. As far as she knew, Jesus was dead. Bit confusing. The one that she believed was the Son of God didn't beat death after all. The one who managed to save her from all of her demons couldn't save himself. So what did that mean? Was she really healed? Had she been believing a lie? 
And if he wasn't the Messiah after all, then should she really be using the perfume that was meant for the real Messiah? And I can imagine these thoughts spiralling in her head as she walks to the tomb that morning. Perhaps her heart weighed down, processing Friday's events as she rises early. Confused and perhaps a little bit disorientated, her feet somehow make their way to the tomb. And as she stumbles to that place, something deeper must have driven her on. Mary's deep love and faith for Jesus is what drove her there that morning. Despite her confusion, despite her grief, and despite her disappointment, love breaks through. Adoration simply means deep love and respect. To adore something is to give it a greater worthiness of love than you give yourself or something else. You see, Mary completely adored Christ. On that morning, even if she'd been wrong, Jesus had greater worth than her confusion, her grief, and her sense of Good Friday reality. And then we get to talk about the encounter. Mary, suddenly distressed and unable to find Jesus' body, begins to cry. When Jesus first appears, she doesn't even recognize him, and she thinks that he's the gardener. She's still preoccupied on her mission to go and anoint Jesus' body. In fact, she's so preoccupied and distressed about the missing body that she's willing to fetch it herself. She exclaims, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. What a woman and a heart of courage to be so adamant that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is worthy of being anointed and so anger that the body has been moved without permission is surely enough to show us how much Mary Magdalene loved Jesus but to then be willing to speak up against a man and have the audacity to carry Jesus's body back herself is incredible Mary doesn't just love with her heart but with a fearlessness in her soul with all of her mind, and if need be, all her physical strength. And in the midst of this chaotic plea, Jesus interrupts with one word, Mary. From here we witness the encounter and the exchange. Jesus says, Mary, with a full stop. And Mary responds, Rabboni, with an exclamation mark. Mary. Jesus could have chosen to reveal himself by saying, I am, believe, I have risen, or calm down, woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he chooses to calmly and with assurance speak her name. You see, Mary didn't recognize Jesus, but Jesus chooses to kindly reveal himself. Amongst panic and distress, Jesus speaks her name immediately, choosing to connect personally with his dear friend. And I'm sure we've all had awkward encounters with people who remember exactly who we are, whilst we ourselves stand there with <laughs> no memory at all of how we met them, where they've come from, or what their name is, and we just kind of 
pace our minds trying to work out who they are and hope that we can get there before they kind of stop talking and we have to answer. Um, but that's not what happened here. This was very different. This was much more. This personal encounter was deeply spiritual and it came with instant divine revelation. As Jesus spoke Mary's name, Mary's soul miraculously recognized Jesus as the risen son of God. So Jesus reaches out to reveal himself when Mary failed to recognize. Jesus uses her name because he's a personal God and he doesn't rebuke the inability to recognize him. Instead, this humble Jesus interrupts with a chaotic interrupts the chaotic despair with a beautiful greeting. Rabboni, Mary replies, teacher. And this is a passionate, worshipful, lively explosion that acknowledges that Jesus is the risen son of God and the teacher whose ministry she supported. In the exclamation, I can almost see and feel Mary's soul leaping for joy. In calling him teacher, she attributes respect, reverence, and a worth to Christ. Mary, again, could have chosen anything. She could have chosen Jesus, Lord, hallelujah, or perhaps some more realistic, how on earth are you standing before me? <laughs> but the choice to call him teacher must have been stirred by her heart of adoration. To call him teacher requires obedience, and obedience ultimately requires love. And so we see an exchange on this early Easter morning. Jesus stands alive, revealing himself as the Lord who knows her personally by name, miraculously having conquered the grave. And Mary, who loves the Lord with all her heart, her soul, her mind, and her strength, responds with adoration, perhaps a little confused, but overflowing with a deeper revelation that her saviour lives. The question is, however, why did Jesus choose Mary Magdalene? Again, many believe it's simply because she was a token woman. But I believe that Mary was chosen because she had an obedient heart that loved the Lord with all her heart, all her soul, all her mind, and all her strength. In her adoration, she witnesses the risen Jesus and she becomes the one who tells the other disciples. The disciples of Jesus were chosen to continue to proclaim the truth of the resurrection to the world after him. Yet without Mary Magdalene, they would have been waiting a little longer for the news. In revealing himself to Mary, God elevates Mary to be the news bearer to the other disciples and she becomes the apostle to the apostles. When we look at Mary, we see an inclusive God, yes, who chose to appear to a woman in a society that favoured men, but more we see a faithful heart that becomes a lead disciple who others look to for a testimony of hope. Mary is more than a model for women. She's the model for all disciples, male and female. And her example is centered on adoration. Adoration simply means to love. And to love God is the greatest commandment. It's written in the Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul and all your mind. And in other versions, all your strength as well. You see, throughout the Bible, there is a woven story and instruction from God to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Jesus taught that all the laws and the prophets in Scripture hang on these two commandments. Number one, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And number two is to love others like you love yourself. It sets out that God is the author of creation and that his good design for the world is to live in adoration of him and in loving harmony with others. Yet, the Bible is full of tales that show how people from generation to generation in all of history fail to measure up, to live in a perfect state of adoration. We fail at loving. We can't achieve perfect love or perfect worship alone. Mary herself, although a great model, was not perfect. We have a sinful nature that doesn't measure up. Paul in the Bible writes in Romans 7, What I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate, I do. Even Paul. But we're not left failing and unable. God had a plan from the start and out of love sent Jesus to right our wrong. Jesus came in perfection as God to die and to rise again so that we can fall onto grace. We bow, falling short and unloving, in return receiving forgiveness and unconditional love. On the cross, Jesus took our brokenness and our lack of love to death. And in his resurrection, that death has been conquered and we are granted the hope of eternal life. Where we will live in harmony with God as it was always meant to be. Just as Jesus' death was part of the plan, so was the resurrection. And I also believe that the encounter with Mary was wonderfully designed. By choosing to appear to the friend who truly did love Jesus and adore Jesus with all her heart, soul, mind and strength, we understand the honour and importance of adoration. We see that the age-old command has been made whole in the encounter, not by Mary's own strength, but in meeting the risen Lord. And by choosing Mary we see how on the side of resurrection story, this side today, God still shows that adoration still plays a vital part in our relationship with him. Our worship and our love will never be perfect this side of heaven, but we long for it to be so anyway. And graciously, Jesus clothes us in his light and makes our best efforts of adoration appear fragrant and pleasing to God. Because of his victory over death, we live a new story. We live to love the Lord, this time without fear of punishment. Instead, we live to love with the confidence and certainty of eternal life. This morning, our Saviour lives, regardless of confusion, 
failure or grievous circumstances, we know the certainty of Jesus who truly is the Son of God. Like Mary, we're called to live onwards in this hope, responding with adoration, to love the risen Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And so this morning, how will you respond? Perhaps you first need to acknowledge the risen Jesus. Or are you like Mary, struggling to recognise Jesus in your own life, confused and doubting whether he really is the saviour that we proclaim him to be? Don't be discouraged by that, but ask God to reveal himself just like he did in the garden with Mary. And as you encounter the risen Jesus, because you will, may you respond with adoration. And as this Easter day and Easter weekend kind of draws to a close, perhaps you'll choose to reflect on your love for Jesus. Are there areas where you are falling short? Is it with your heart, with your loyalty, your emotions, the things that you love? Is it with your soul, the songs that you sing or the desires and longings that are deep down within you? Your mind, your thoughts, the decisions you make, the things you meditate on or the speech that comes out of your mouth? Or is it your strength, your muchness, the way that you work, the wealth you possess, or the greatness and success you aspire to. Jesus has risen, and he's restored us to keep loving him now with the security of eternal life. Hallelujah. Surely that's worth your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You see, Mary was both a woman and an obedient heart that loved the Lord. She set an inspiring example of adoration and in her loving obedience she encountered her risen Lord. So when we view Mary for the adoring disciple that she was, we understand the resurrection encounter in a new way, complementary to the female way. This new way reveals Jesus as the true Messiah and the fulfilment of both his radical teaching on inclusivity and as the author of creation who throughout all of time has tasked us to love the Lord with all your heart or your soul or your mind and all your strength. Yet now in the risen Jesus we're no longer tasked to go this alone as failing orphans. Jesus has risen and he's restored us to keep loving him now with the security of eternal life through this grace. Hallelujah. Can I pray? Of course. <laughs> Father, we just um, we thank you that you are the author of creation and that you have, um, yeah, you've just given us a new story and a new life to live. Um, that we may live in relationship with you as the author of creation who we completely adore. And right now, Father, in our hearts personally, we come and we acknowledge that you um, are the risen Son of God, that you are the real Messiah who died and did conquer death, 
The Messiah who no didn't save himself on the cross because he was saving us. And that was far more greater in your plan. And Lord, we confess when we love you imperfectly. And we will never love you perfectly this side of heaven. But we long to love you today. And so Father, we lay down everything in this moment and we give you our hearts, we give you our souls, we give you our minds and we give you all of our strength and we join to just say thank you we adore you Amen Helena, thank you so much when uh, we kind of